You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Who is Morbius? Well, that's only a question we've been asking for what feels like five years at this point, because boy, has this movie been postponed over and over and over again. I waited a long time for New Mutant, but I think we've waited even longer for Morbius. And yet there are still people saying, why do we need this? Well, we're going to talk about all of that here today on this episode of Systematic Ecology as we prepare you for the upcoming Morbius film. I'm Brandon Knight. I'm joined here today by Joe, and we're going to be talking about another great 90s character. Well, pre-90s, actually way before the 90s. But I think both of ours, more introduction to this character comes from the 90s Spider-Man show. But before we get into this episode, I just want to remind you, good listener, have you heard about Patreon? It's kind of like PBS, where you give us money. Oh, man, you should have seen that reaction from Joe. (laughs) You give us money and we give you stuff and you help support the show and you keep the lights on. and You give us motivation to be creative with your money. Give us some money. That's a John Mulaney reference. So, yeah, head on over to patreon.com slash systematic ecology. Subscribe to one of our tiers and unlock some great bonus stuff like D&D playthroughs and other stuff. Again, I'm Brandon Knight. I'm a seminary student. And recently, I have been geeking out. Well, you know, we're getting ready for the baby. So, actually, I don't know when. The, well, actually, yeah, this episode is going to come out pretty soon. So, yeah, we've been getting ready for the baby. And um, went over to my uh, my in-law's house yesterday, my brother and sister-in-law house, and just dug through baby clothes. Honestly, that's really what I've been geeking out on the most lately is just getting all of the stuff we need for baby. We got a great book at our baby shower, The ABCs of Church History. So it's like A is for Apple, an apricot, and Augustine. And then when he gets older, there's also like a little like more in-depth, but still for children, paragraph on who is Augustine. And then you get the C and it's like cat, cow, Calvin. It's it's great. Go get that book. So, so yeah, that's what I've been geeking out on. Mostly baby stuff. Uh, what's up, everybody? I am Joe. I am a marketer, a podcaster, a broadcaster. And uh, recently, uh, my wife and I have started watching through Witcher. I was a little uh, late to the party as far as this goes. Um, I have opinions. That could be an episode in and of itself. I certainly have not been going through the ba- the, the baby's version of ABC of church history. <laughs> um, but I have been going back through and... Um, kind of getting a recap on Morbius and watching through the animated uh, series. Did you like that oh, smooth nice. transition? That was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, I think what you said is probably as emblematic as you can get as far as this character goes. So just to give the specifics of what you were going for at the beginning, Morbius was created by Roy Thomas and Gil Kane in 1971 he made his first um he made his first appearance in the comics in the amazing spider-man issue 101 so 
he's he's a character that's uh 50 plus years old yeah 51 years old um but most of us know him as a 90s character because Mm -hmm. of spider-man the animated series because there were a few key characters that are by all rights b characters that kind of played as spider-man's reoccurring ensemble cast of characters within his universe and one of them was morbius and so there's such a resonance of this character and i think and I'm, i would be willing to bet that that's exactly what this movie is capitalizing off of and why this movie's coming out now is okay. the people that have the money to take their kids and all of that kind of stuff are 90s kids and so True. capitalizing on parents and then tra- and then children but um before we get into the character profile to camp on the movie related portion of it um mm-hmm. i don't know how attuned you are with the latest in movie news but as of this recording um they there has been talks that every single reference to spider-man and the the larger uh, extended universe has been cut from the um, from the movie, and the only thing is uh, an end credit scene. Really, after all this time, seven after years of t- watching trailers, of watching Matt Smith walk down the same hallway, and all these little Easter eggs that I definitely saw a trailer for right before I saw No Way Home, they've cut well, everything. Well, therein lies the thing, right? Is they what were trying happened, to capitalize. Well, th- they saw the success. They saw the capability. And so now it would stand to reason that Sony is trying to say, okay, we saw how well this could do. We own the IP. Let's go build out a universe and then start by putting these characters into their own pocket universes so that way we can eventually build out like a like a multiverse of madness no way home sort of thing because it's being said that the um madam web has been cast and she's going to act as the doctor strange of this universe kind of weaving everything together and one thing that interests me for all of you spider-verse war of the spider fans out there from the comics um in a recent interview um the uh the the create one of the writers was asked about the connection and all of that kind of stuff and who is the spider-man of this universe because there's a mm-hmm. lot of talk of andrew garfield being the spider-man of mobius's mm-hmm. universe and so on and so forth there's a lot of talk there's and, a ref- there's a venom reference also right. in the movie so that's also on the table god right and and so um, he said that every single universe or every single world in our universe has a spider totem. So it, sa- it stands that there oh. will be a Spider-Man or a Spider-Woman in every one of the universes. With the idea being, for those of you that are uninitiated, the whole... Um, the whole arc of Spider-Verse and all of that is built around 
the spider totem and the spider totem choosing people and so on and so forth, which kind of completely and totally revamps the whole idea of Peter Parker being bit by a radioactive spider and all of those kinds of things. But I digress. Mm-hmm. Um, which in theory is cool, but here's my problem. And then we'll hop over to who is Morbius, but we figure we'll get the, sure. we'll get the, the film related we'll stuff out of the way first. Yeah. Um, in theory, so much of what's being said makes a whole lot of sense and could be really cool. Here's the problem. A, Jared Leto, he's always a problem. And <laughs> B, nobody cares enough about these characters to have a standalone movie about them, especially if Sony is the one that's making it. You know what I mean? Like They, yeah. they don't write well enough to be able to save with dialogue and you know, it breaks my '90s kid heart, but the truth of the truth of the matter is, is there is no Venom without Spider-Man. There is no Carnage sure. without Venom and Spider-Man. There is yeah. no Morbius without Spider-Man. And depending on which '90s kid you ask, Blade. Oh yeah, that's true too. I um uh, I I want to say this delicately because normally I don't. But man, Sony really has Marvel. Sony really has Mickey by the ears here because <laughs> they. Uh, but they they do. They really do. Yeah, they are. They are going to keep Spider-Man in all of its intellectual propertyness. You have to. Disney has to buy Sony. And I'm sorry. At that point, it has to be a monopoly. Oh yeah, there, there has to come Sony. a point. I, there has to come a point where too much is too much, and one company cannot control all of the various IPs. But when you're talking about Spider-Man, you're talking about the rarefied air of children's IP stuff. So it's not about the movies, it's not about the TV shows, it's about that merchandise. It's yep. about slip, slapping that spider, slapping those webs on everything under the sun and making billions, and yes, I'm saying billions with a B, off of one particular IP. We're talking about the Big Blue Boy Scout. We're talking mm-hmm. about Batman. Batman. We're talking about Spider-Man. That is what you can make your money on, and Sony knows that and sony knows is that they got the ball in their court as for as for this movie in general now this does scratch an itch for me because i i get it they're not marvel movies they're not mcu films well kind of the end credit scene of venom 2 is i guess but (laughs) These aren't MCU quality films. This scratches a these type of movies scratch a nostalgia itch for me for a time when superhero films were simpler. My wife and I, we've started rewatching the MCU films. We've done Iron Man, Incredible Hulk. Yes, that's an MCU film and Mm -hmm. Iron Man 2. And they're different because they're Paramount and Universal films. And it really gets at that old school superhero flick vibe. And that's really what I'm, that's all I'm expecting from this movie. I'm not expecting to be blown away again. It's Jared Leto. You have some personal gripes with him, but he's also like an okay actor. Like he's not the best actor in the world. And I'll be the first one to admit that Matt Smith isn't my favorite doctor. So even that part's not really bringing me to the yard either, but 
what I am hoping for is that this movie just gets me with that old school superhero movie vibe before every single movie had to be breaking the box office record when there was just here's the summer flick go and enjoy it as some of the very best in movie making the movies that you can point to that most people even if you don't realize you know you've come across some version of it being used in other ip these legends of cinema that are not that 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 would never be made today because they're not billion dollar movies they're not making all of this money and all of that kind of stuff and the 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 problem becomes when you are so reliant on everything being the start of a franchise, the start of a universe, all of this kind of stuff that you you miss the opportunity to just tell a story. Just tell a story. That's all you need to do. And that's it. If you look at what, you know, Batman 89 is, you know, not connected by still lorded as one of the greats all of that kind of stuff superman the movie you know yes it's got its quirks yes we make fun of it but i'm pointing out this era of movie in particular because these movies were not billion dollar movies they they didn't have millions upon millions upon millions of dollars put behind them and all of this kind of stuff that wasn't what they were but They are wonderful in their simplistic nature. They're Mm -hmm. just a superhero popcorn flick. And for me, that takes a bit of a different turn because we have gotten far enough in storytelling within the superhero genre that it opens the door for all of these different subgenres um uh, w- within superhero flicks the only one that i would necessarily say that we've actually gotten to is like political thriller with um with, with captain america and so i think we have a prime opportunity especially if you're telling the story of michael morbius if you're not telling the story of morbius and spider-man if you're just going with an origin story for him, then you have you have to obviously fill that with content that matters that that people give that that people care enough to go and see. And that to me would suggest that you have the opportunity to tell a different kind of story. As far as Morbius goes, I think you've got one shot. To do it without Spider-Man. I don't think you get a second shot to do it without Spider-Man. Not with Morbius. Okay. With okay. with Venom, there's a whole era of Venom separate of Spider-Man. But sure. getting there requires all of his time with Spider-Man. Caring about that part of that part of Venom's uh storyline requires having gone through the time with and that was the big fatal flaw from Venom for Venom. So sure. if you're gonna introduce to the the character like this, which I'm not even sure they should have. But then again, I'm tainted from from Spider-Man, the animated series. You know, you this is this is all you've got. You need you need a Spider-Man for for Morbius, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into the actual like nuts and bolts of who is Morbius, I'm just curious. 
how interested are you in this film? Honestly. Say that one more time. Before we get into the actual nuts and bolts of like who the character is, how interested are you in this movie in general? Because oh, I think there, this is going to be hot garbage. I think this is okay. going to be a steaming pile of dung. I think that this is going to be a crap show from go. I, I really don't think that this is going to be good. I'm sorry, guys. I know we're supposed to hype you guys. We're supposed to be a whole thing. I understand that. But I don't think I, I don't think there's enough meat on the bones. First off, second off, you've got Sony at the helm. They can't create a movie out of a paper bag and <laughs> that you you've got an ip that has even less meat on the bone than venom did and we all saw how good venom was i say tongue-in-cheek so i mean again i i i beg of you sony prove me wrong get get me to care and and all of that and i promise somebody like me a 90s kid like me and i'm not even necessarily a marvel guy i could tell you way more about dc stuff and all of that i you'd have me hooked like a mark i promise you if you just made me care i don't think they have the tools to be able to make me care and that's you know again this is supposed to be a hype episode and Here's here's Joe being the angry old man shaking his fist at the clouds. But to be fair, there's not a lot of good hype for this film. We're just going to be honest about it. I listened to the podcast iFanboy and they have zero interest in this movie. Now, they are a different demographic because they're in their like mid to late 40s. So they're kind of outside of this 90s cartoon era that they're trying to bank off of. But they they raised a really good point. There's they raised a really good point talking about how there's a difference between using a B character in Marvel, the MCU doing Guardians of the Galaxy. There's a difference between somebody who has spent the time, done the work, put together a great cast, got a good director and took a shot and hit it. They did it with Guardians of the Galaxy. They did it with Ant-Man. These movies that like by this point, MCU had their formula, had the money. They could take those shots. Morbius is a. Be generously character like he's almost a C-level character. There's not a lot of Morbius out there, you know. And to give you guys an idea. Yeah. We needed (laughs) you're getting half of this episode as a conversation about the movie because you'd only be getting about a 20 minute long episode if we just talked about Morbius, because there's just simply not that much meat on the bone. Most if you have if you have seen Spider-Man, the animated series, you have seen the most significant story beats of Morbius. That's just being honest. And we will get there. I you know, we can Mm -hmm. we can we'll talk about all of that. But you're even I'll even go as far as to say, OK, so Iron Man, right? I'm some some MCU fan is crying a foul right now because of Iron Man and be, and the fact that Iron Man was a B-level level character. Let me put it this way. If Iron Man was considered a B-level character before Robert Downey Jr., then we're talking about a C or D-level character. Just being real. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Especially when you're talking about the actual comics, the source material of all of this. There's next to goose egg as far as meaningful Mm -hmm. storylines for this character. Even all of the stuff with um, with him and Blade was all most mostly manufactured for 
the, the show. They took some mm-hmm. crossover stuff and went to the extent that they could with it. So absolutely that like I'm all for allow for guardians of the galaxy is nothing like if you, the comics are nothing <laughs> oh, yeah. like the tv show that's that's part of why they they tried to make a, they tried to revamp the guardians in comic form after the the movie came out no, nobody cared because that wasn't what that that wasn't what they were popular from just like with mm-hmm. morbius the comics aren't what he's popular from that's part of why I say, take it dark, do it. Like, don't be mm. afraid to do it. Allow, do some universal monster stuff with this thing. Like, you have sure. a blank slate, like none other, to be able to. Even with all of these other examples that we're drawing from, they had something, some nuance to go to go off of. With Guardians, they basically had a blank slate, so they made them space pirates that listen to eighties music. Do you, do you have uh, do you have a blank slate here? Make it a, make it your Universal Monster movie, and make him sure. the Dracula of your universe, and you'll have a whole group of people, even outside of that thirty that thirty plus, you know millennials with parents demo you'll have that 40 50 plus who grew up on cheesy horror movies sure and that is my hook for why i'm gonna give the pitch to support this film because even though it's horror light it's not even like good actual horror films marvel and dc has such a rich rich inventory of horror characters that I just want somebody to make a movie of like, please, please. Can I please have a live action Constantine film? That's not Keanu Reeves, please. Somebody give me that movie already. Swamp thing. Like these are DC characters, but over on the Marvel side, like Morbius, like blade, like Dracula. Cause that was a thing for a while. Even characters like Ghost Rider and Moon Knight, like I'm willing to support these just so that way Sony, Disney, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers doesn't care, but the other two, maybe they might care (laughs) that I want more horror. I want more scary stuff because there's all these great characters. Netflix sometime this year is finally Neil Gaiman has given the green light for the Sandman series, and I could not be more excited for that. Oh, get out of town. Let's get into what? Oh, for real? Like, do you got the green light to do to to dab Neil Gaiman there's and a, Sandman? There's a Sandman series coming to Netflix this year. Okay. I'm I'm you can believe that that's that that covering Neil Gaiman and Sandman is going to end up on our list of uh, of topics now that that's <laughs> that that's coming out like that is Guaranteed that is coming out this year. Yeah. Anyway, let's get into Michael Morbius. So who is this fella? We've alluded to it a little bit because Joe just said he could be the Dracula of the Sony monster Spider-Man universe. We really need to work on a name for this. Morbius, the living vampire. Who is Michael Morbius, Joe? So Michael Morbius was a um, fun facts, a Greek child, um, which if you didn't, um, if you if your own, if your only experience with Morbius is from the TV show, they tried to give him such a Transylvanian, I will suck your blood sort of <laughs> accent. Like they totally missed Greek and just went for like Dracula. Um, Perfect. 
Right. Um, so, so he was a, he was a, um, a kid born in Greece and the, uh, Reader's Digest version is when he's in, um, college, he becomes a biochemist and they are, he, he, and, um, his, his partner, Emil, who that was taken to, um, that was changed over to, was it Felicia Harding? Was the the love interest of his in that the sounds TV correct? Show? Yes. yes. Yeah. So so it's he, been a he while, but yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah. So he still had that partner in the TV show, um, that kind of dynamic. And the idea is that they are trying to um, cure, help people get cured of fatal blood diseases because. Michael Morbius has a rare, deadly blood condition um, that makes him essentially weak, like his body extremely weak, um, which is actually how he meets he meets his his friend Emil when they're kids, and they they grow up together. Um, so, but anyway, I've already. <laughs> I've already told you more than uh, than than mostly any other medium is probably going to tell you. Um short of the comics because this is all this is stuff drawn from the comics. Um so in the midst of doing of doing experiments on um on bats on trying to uh heal blood diseases he uh Michael wins a Nobel prize. Um but he was it's kind of it's kind of a heartbreaking story beat that he's not able to attend the ceremony because of his condition because he was too weak to even there's a there's a scene with him and a cup of tea and he can't even hold the cup of tea because mm. his body is so weak um and so part of part of the the procedure is you know because we this is 70s guys we're talking about 70s marvel so we have to we have to hit you over the head with the fish. We need to get as as, as on nose as, on the nose as you possibly can get. Um, he's doing experiments with vampire bats, and not uh, just bats. basically, <laughs> yeah, not just bats, vampire bats, and basically doing electroshock therapy on the bats. And it is um, th- it's through the procedure that it cures him, but. As I'm sure you all have got have gotten to, it has, as comics like to call, unforeseen consequences and turns him into, as Brandon referred to, Michael Morbius, the living vampire. Um, and so he basically um, turns into the appearance, like his appearance basically turns into the um, stereotypical vampire, white skin, um, teeth grows into fangs and all of that kind of stuff. It was real funny in the TV show, for those of you that haven't seen it, because at the time they couldn't get the sign off on a lot of different things of acts of violence, they couldn't have a Mm. vampire going around biting people's necks. So he had these little suction things in the middle of his hands and they couldn't say blood. So they would say plasma. So he was always looking for <laughs> plasma and he would be gra- and he would grab onto people with his hands and like some weird like electricity. Something's happening sort of thing would envelop the person and that would be how he would feed. Um, 
So uh, that's great. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's basically his big thing, and it's it's you know, good guy turn turn bad kills his friend, you know, Emil, um, in in his bloodlust and all of that, and that would be where I guess that they're going to take a lot of the inspiration from from Jared Leto's um, rendition, where it's going to be the biochemist that is trying to cure the blood disease. Things go wrong. He suddenly has bloodlust. He suddenly becomes a vampire. All of those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Um, I would highly, highly doubt that in 2022, they're going to show electroshock therapy with a uh, bat. So my guess is they'll do some kind of blood transfusion nonsense. Um, something like that. From the looks of it, too, it looks like he transforms into the vampire. Like, obviously, he transforms into a vampire, but in other adaptions, like the like the cartoon, he is a vampire, like he becomes a vampire, where in this, it looks like it's an ability that he can. He's trying to learn how to control, which is superheroes, movie storytelling 101 of because he initial like there is a scene where he looks and it's actually pretty good good i would say for the for the cgi where he looks like the he looks like the living vampire he looks like how he does in the comics but for the most part like you're talking about how he gets the white skin and becomes a vampire yeah there's a scene with him shirtless and abs and i have never seen dracula with abs so i'm just gonna say it right now that this is gonna we're gonna capitalize on the appearance of jared leto a little bit in this movie um yeah so that's michael morbius everybody i do want to maybe lean into our uh horror background a little bit joe and talk about what is the difference between a vampire and a living vampire because obviously that word living is there for a reason i hope so vampires most of the time are um the undead they're referred to as they've been killed and brought back is the idea it's the same idea between vampires and zombies where mm-hmm. um morbius was never killed morbius morbius is still technically alive he just was infected and became a vampire that way which is part of the reason why you look at um Last Man on Earth, I Am Legend, all of those various versions of that story. (laughs) The zombies kind of have a bit of a vampire-esque to them because to some degree they do follow this same pattern of dead brought brought back to life. Whereas with Morbius, he wasn't killed. He was not killed off. He did not have all of his plasma sucked out. He was a human who much like Dr. Frankenstein was messing in the realm of God. Those darn scientists messing in the realm of God. That's all a joke. I should not have made that joke. Listen to your doctor. Um, But that's a common horror trope as well of like scientists messing in the realm of things that they shouldn't be. And it goes sour on them and they develop superpowers or bring a monster to life or some other third thing, create a virus that kills everybody. I don't know. So that's Michael Morbius for you. Um, he fights Spider-Man. He fights Blade. Um, that's it. So Honestly, folks. 
Well, so so the biggest thing that Michael Morbius is known for, and this is where I I, I bring this one up because I f- would would have loved to have seen um, this used as the major introduction point for him. And this is what we saw as the major introduction point for him in the um, animated show. But the thing that Michael Morbius is known best for is um, his his introduction into Spider-Man's world when Spider-Man was going through his mutation into the man spider, where he had mm-hmm. uh, multiple limbs and uh, was basically turning into a giant mutated spider. There's a story arc where um, he is trying to cure himself and he comes across Morbius. Um, They, of course, get into a uh, into a fight over time. Um, Actually stretching across most of the mutated version or mutated, excuse me, um, Actually, his his fights would oftentimes uh, go across the different mutated characters of the Marvel Universe, people like um, Blade, The Thing. Um, Mm. He had uh, run ins with the lizard, you know, that those kinds of characters. But and that would kind of for the that would kind of be the reason why he would get lumped in with a lot of those characters on team up books and the times where he was used and things like that. But as far as his time with Spider-Man, his most notable thing is um, he helped Spider-Man create the cure for his mutation and, and all of that. And at one point tried to take some, that that cures him temporarily of his um vampirism and so that to me would be how i would introduce jared leto into the universe um but outside of that i mean yeah he's got things like you know he he's run as a as a um one of the midnight suns um Mm. You know, he does have the uh, the Midnight Massacre, but where he's he's teamed up with uh, Blade. Um, But outside of that, that's 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 about probably the most notable that you're going to get from this particular character. And it's it's not bad. It's not it's not like a bad storyline. And I would absolutely say to watch it, if nothing else, even if you're not going to go out and find, you know, comics from the 70s. Then, then I would say you know it's an opportunity to watch some some really fun storytelling and things like that. But outside of that, I'm not sure that there's much more meat to be had outside of just taking the ball and and running with it in a different kind of direction. And I think that that's going to be Sony's key to success as far as this goes is being okay. willing to do that in a compelling way. All right. It's the compelling part that they need to work on. But yep. yeah, that's that's what they got to do here. So that is Michael Morbius for you. Hopefully in all of this, you are maybe at least more educated on who this character is. And maybe that will be enough to persuade you to go give this a try. And I'm so. going to tell and I'm going to echo what what Brandon said here. You know, yeah, we're not we're not necessarily hype, but going and 
supporting these kinds of movies, doing something to support these these kinds of movies helps allow for more movies to be made that are that are outside of the box that mm-hmm. aren't just the the MCU over and over and over again that allow for deeper storytelling it can it can or if anything it gives us a, gets us a different genre to watch yep. instead of disney superheroes Recently, TJ and I did an episode, if you missed it, go listen to it, on the video game Dying Light, talking about zombies, and it was a lot of fun. I wanted to bring this kind of bring this up a little bit again, talking about this concept of living vampires and talking about. We talked about zombies in the other episode and this idea of being brought back to life and maybe some of the religious symbolism that we could possibly see in zombies specifically this idea of being brought back to life um it kind of falls apart after that point but when it comes to vampires and living vampires is there any religious symbolism that we can maybe pull from this yeah i mean on honestly this is this is exactly where something like this thrives because you have even even in the earliest depictions of vampires there's there tends to be a baked in religious connection and symbolism sure. to it all um but yeah i mean you you have somebody that either you could go the route of being consumed by the dark or somebody you know dying and coming back to life and taking that that approach to it you know mm-hmm. I, I think either way it is um very easy to draw some kind of symbolism off of a character like this. Yes. Yeah. And I don't want to like, I don't want to cram too much into this at this point because we haven't seen the movie. And a lot of times what we do here is we talk about the thing and then we reflect on it. Well, we haven't seen the movie and to just to be quite honest, we're not super familiar with the character either. So it's not like we can say, Hey, let's talk about this one very specific issue and look at the religious symbolism here. So To some degree, just when it comes to vampires in general, yeah, we get this idea of being brought back to life. We get this idea of, you know, you look at maybe a character like Michael Morbius who has this bloodlust, even though he doesn't really want to. This is a byproduct of his disease, of this uh, experiment, rather, that he did. And he has this bloodlust. He desires something that he doesn't actually want. And I think there's a little bit of a biblical illusion that we can pull from there i think of romans 7 romans 7 where paul talks about how he desires to do the things that he doesn't want to do and the things that he should do he doesn't want to do just like this internal warfare that we as christians have for wanting to walk in the spirit follow the path of jesus but also this craving to go back to our old lifestyle in sin so Maybe if anything, that is the illusion that you can pick from here. And I'll be honest, there is a part of me that I, you know, I I hope that they can allow um, for that redemption story to be told of him just looking to redeem himself and all of that kind of stuff. Because I think that that, A, that's one of Morbius's more compelling traits, but B, 
I'm always a sucker for somebody who's looking for a second chance, you know? Sure. Yeah. And I think you could easily do that, make him more of this, maybe not vigilante anti-hero, but like a guy who's trying to do good, even though his impulses aren't that direction. Could be a good story. Sony, you're going to let us down, but just let us down easy. Break up with us easy, man. Hey, let's wrap this show up. All right, Joe, before we get out of here, what is something you would like to recommend to our audience today? Um, I would recommend um, the the TV show The Witcher. Um, I think it's very interesting. I do think that you need to be, you know, viewer discretion is advised um, for those of you with little ones around. Um, but outside of that, yeah, it's definitely a, definitely an interesting show, that's for sure. All right. I still need to watch that. Um, As for me, I would like to recommend at this point something way more lighthearted. I just started watching the Netflix He-Man and the Masters of the Universe Revelation. So there's two Netflix He-Man shows. One is clearly for children. The other one is the one I'm watching. And it is supposed to be a spiritual descendant of the original show. This the whole He-Man thing before my time, but has always been something that I have been interested in getting involved, getting into the whole sword and sorcery uh, genre is something that as an adult, I've been trying to get more time with Conan, the barbarian, he man and, and the like. So, so far it's been pretty good. It's not very long either. I think there's only 10 episodes and Mark Hamill does the voice of Skeletor. So there's three great reasons for you to check it out. There you go. Joe, where can people find you if they want to check out your other programming? Um, so you can find me either on Facebook or any of the um, any of the places where you find podcasts at either Buddy Walk with Jesus or Kingdom on the Road. I am live on Facebook uh, six out of the seven days a week, so you'll be able to find me. Cool. And you can find my show, My Seminary Life, where I talk about the things I'm studying in seminary right now, wherever you get your podcasts and on Facebook and Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod. Thanks for listening to this episode. We truly hope it has encouraged you to go check this movie out. Maybe it's given you some realistic view on Sony a little bit as well, but hopefully this has given you a reason to go check this movie out, support it, try to get some more dark superhero movies out there. Go to our website, systematicology.org to let us know what other movies you would like us to talk about. Hey, do you like Blade? Do you like Ghost Rider? Please tell me you like Ghost Rider because I want to talk about it sometime. And we would be happy to do those episodes for you. And remember, we're all a chosen people, a geekdom of This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.